0: wonderful as they make their way to Children's Church. I'm glad to be down here with you for a change. Have your Bible turned to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to spend just a few minutes in the word this morning as the children have led us in worship, and I just say with them, hallelujah, praise to the king. Well, today, of course, is Palm Sunday, uh, the beginning of what is known as the Holy Week. And the events on Palm Sunday took place exactly one week before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, Palm Sunday was the Sunday right before the crucifixion. It kind of gets your bearings, if you will. So right before the crucifixion, Palm Sunday occurred. And it's called Palm Sunday, of course, because of the palm branches, which were used to honor the Lord Jesus during his triumphal entry uh, there into Jerusalem. And this event is very important. It's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this morning, we want to revisit the triumphal entry and uh, see the Lord Jesus and see what lessons we can learn. So you're in Luke chapter 19 and uh, be finding your place. We'll begin reading at verse 28 in a moment. But while you're finding your place, I want you to think about the way that a king enters into a city. Or if it's more helpful, think about the way even our president comes into a city. Uh there's a lot of pomp and circumstance to say the least. Uh they travel in the finest of jets and automobiles and planes. Uh they're catered uh to, they're lavished upon. There's usually a great display of power and in, in their protection. I'll never forget watching President Bush's motorcade as it rolled through Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I'll never forget the one vehicle in that motorcade that was there and there were just these guys in SWAT gear hanging off this vehicle with machine guns. I'll never forget that. And I thought, man alive, it's be crazy to try to even approach this thing, uh, much less try to harm the president. But I want you to think about the way an earthly king or an earthly ruler enters into a city. And while you're thinking about that, look at the way King Jesus entered to Jerusalem. Luke 19, verse 28 When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one else has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. We're calling this morning's message responding to the king. And in our few minutes together, we want to look back and look what took place here on this first Palm Sunday and then learn some lessons we can apply to our hearts and lives today. As we respond to the king today, first of all, we learn this. We need to listen to him. We need to listen to him. You know, verses 28 through 31 there tells a very interesting account. The Lord Jesus tells two of his disciples to go into this village. And when you go in this village, you're going to find a colt. And the colt will be tied up there, and I want you to untie the colt, and I want you to bring it back to me. And and if anybody says to you, why are you unloosing the colt, what are you doing? I want you to say simply, because the Lord has need of him. Now, in the commentaries and in the studies that you would go back and read, several questions surface. Maybe they surface in your mind this morning. Someone want to know, well, did the Lord Jesus prearrange this? Did He already go ahead and tell these people who owned this colt that He was going to be using it? Did He already work all these things out beforehand? Well, I'm inclined to say no. Because why? Well, He says in verse 31, if anybody asks you what you're doing or why you're taking the colt, just say because the Lord has need of it. You know, if the Lord had already prearranged it, I don't think there'd be any questions. They would say, hey, are you Jesus' disciples? Yeah, well, here's your cult. So I don't think he prearranged it. So then the question arises, did Jesus as God just know that the cult was going to be there and it was going to be tied up, ready to use? I believe so. I think he did. Well, how did he know that the cult would be given for service? I mean, maybe in his own mind he knew it's God. Well, how did he know it would be given for service? Well, I think primarily, again, because he is God. But you also have to remember the culture in which they lived. You see, Daryl Bach tells us about the uh, Angaria. I'm sure we're all using that term every day, aren't we, Angaria? Well, Angaria simply meant that uh, a dignitary... Uh, could procure the use of property for personal reasons. They could take property, belonging to somebody else, and use it for their service. And that right, I'm told, extended to rabbis and religious leaders. And so this request was really not that unusual uh, because of the Lord Jesus and because of his reputation and his position. He could have said, I'm going to use this colt. Then the big question is, why did he choose a colt in the first place? Of all the animals, of all those the ways he could have entered the city, why did he choose a colt? Well, there are several reasons. First of all, because it was a fulfillment of prophecy. If you were to go back to Matthew chapter 21 and read the account of triumphal entry, you would read this in verses four and five. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's based upon Zechariah 9.9. We go back to the Old Testament. And it says in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9, 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shadow daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew tells us even more. Matthew tells us that not only brought the colt, but also brought the colt's mother. Uh, Matthew 21, 2 says, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. So the cult was chosen as fulfillment of prophecy. Back in the Old Testament, it says that your king will be coming riding upon this cult. But it was not only just a fulfillment of prophecy, it was also chosen, I believe, because of its meaning. When you think about a cult, when you think about this, several things worth noting. Someone has written, first of all, the cult was a symbol of peace. Jesus came to bring peace. He did not come upon a war horse at this time. He came upon a colt, a symbol of peace. It was also a symbol of service. You know, we often think of donkeys and colts and things in a very lowly way today, don't we? But, you know, it says here that it was a noble animal, an animal used in the service of men to carry their burdens. And so Jesus came upon this cult symbolizing that he came to serve men. He came to bear the burdens of these people he was coming to. It was a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of burden bearing. It was a symbol of service. But it also was a symbol of sacredness. So preacher Rodney Howell in the world could a cult be a symbol of sacredness? Well, it had never been ridden before. And animals and things used for religious purposes had to be animals and things that had not been used before. And this points to the sacredness of this event. Um, Jesus was deliberately taking every precaution to proclaim that he is the sacred hope, the promised Messiah of the people. And so you see, this event is more than just Jesus riding in on a colt. There's so much tied up in this. This is so important. I want you to notice that Jesus was in complete control of everything that was happening The last week of his life was not haphazard. It was not just happening to him. He was actively orchestrating it. It was for this reason that he came to die, to give his life a ransom for many. And he was going to voluntarily submit to everything that was about to happen. None of this was going to catch him off guard. None of this was going to be beyond his control. He voluntarily laid down his life for us. He voluntarily stood before those rulers. He voluntarily went through all this. So as we respond to the king today, we're to listen to him. These disciples were given direct instructions and they listened. Let me ask you something. How should we respond to the king today, to the Lord? We should listen to him. As he speaks to us through his words, you should listen. I should listen. Already many of us have been in Sunday school. And we've heard God's word proclaimed, talking about comfort today. I hope that you listen. To God's word. You're hearing God's word even now. I hope that you're listening to what God is saying. We're to listen to the king. We're to listen carefully and attentively. But then we go to the next step, we're not only to listen to him. Secondly, we're to obey him. It's interesting here in our account, verses 32 to 35, the disciples response. It was one of direct and correct Obedience. They went and they found this colt and they went and they brought it back to the Lord Jesus. When the Lord issues a command, he wants obedience. Let me say that again. When the Lord issues a command, he wants obedience. He does not want us to bargain. Uh, he does not want us to delay or even analyze. He wants us to move out in obedience. They trusted his word. Here. Now think about what he just told them. Now I want you to go to this village. When you get in the village, you'll find a colt tied there. I want you to untie the colt. Bring it to me. If anybody says to you, why are you untying the colt? I want you to say, because the Lord needs it. Period. Now, I don't read in the scripture that they said to one another, do you think the Lord meant a literal colt? Uh, I don't read anywhere where it says, does he really want us to go and take this animal? Are we really going to find this cult there? I love the way that Matthew records it. Matthew 21, 6 says that the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They went and did as they were commanded. Oh, that might be said of us as followers of the Lord Jesus. When our king speaks, we obey. Oh, that might be said of us. But oftentimes, what could be said of us? When our king speaks, we think about it. When our king speaks, we talk about it. When our King speaks, we analyze it. When our King speaks, we delay. We postpone. We procrastinate. Oh, that it might be said when our King, when King Jesus speaks, his people obey. That's how you respond to the King. The disciples, they went and they did exactly as the Lord Jesus told them to do. Responding to the King. First of all, listen to him. Second of all, obey him. But then don't stop there. Thirdly, this morning, praise him. Praise him. Read verses 36 through 40 again with me. Let's back up to verse 35. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. Do you see this? They set the Lord Jesus on the colt. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, I want to be honest with you. The disciples and the multitude that day really did not grasp the full significance of what was taking place. They did not grasp. But you say, preacher, how can you say that? Well, listen to what John twelve sixteen says. Same account of the triumphal entry. John twelve sixteen says, His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him and they had done these things to Him. So, can you see in your mind's eye as He's coming down there, and they had put Him on this colt on their clothes, and others have spread their Clothes out on the road and they begin to take the palm branches there. Matthew 20 and 1, 8 and 9 says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can you in your minds, eye see this scene as the Lord Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. Do you understand exactly what's going on Here. Do you catch the significance of it? Warren Wiersbe helps us understand exactly what's being talked about. Of course, first of all, there was two reasons. Two reasons here. He says it's the only time, the only time that Jesus permitted a public demonstration on his behalf. The only time. And he did so for two reasons. First of all, we've already talked about. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah 9.9 9 said this would take place. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Can't even get it out. Fulfillment of prophecy. But the second reason, I want you to hear this. The second reason was this demonstration was to force the Jewish religious leaders to act. In other words, they had hoped to arrest him after the Passover, Matthew 26, three through five. But God had ordained that his son be slain on the Passover as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. John 129. You know, you read about other attempts where it says his hour had not yet come. Well, beloved, his hour had come here. And when these religious leaders saw this great celebration of bringing the Lord Jesus in here in this triumphal entry, the leaders knew they had to act. And they were going to have a willing participant in that. A man by the name of Judas Iscariot, who was willing to help them. In fact, I want you to notice what it says in verses thirty nine and forty. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They understood what was going on here. They understood what was the the significance of this. This was. Is this the Messiah? Is this the the one who would come? The king? And I love what the Lord Jesus says there. He says, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. John MacArthur said that scripture often speaks of inanimate objects praising God read about that in Scripture. It's kind of interesting. Psalm 98, 7-9. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For He is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Habakkuk 2.11 is probably what the Lord Jesus was referring to here. Where it says, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Beloved... There's a proper way to respond to the king. And beloved, that proper way is to do this, to listen to him, to obey him. And in the case of our heavenly king, our king Jesus, we are to praise him. Now, I want to ask you this morning on this Palm Sunday, on this Sunday preceding the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you doing at this? First of all, have you submitted to him as savior? Do you know the Lord Jesus today as your own Lord and Savior? Have you recognized that you're a sinner? You're undone. You cannot save yourself. Have you recognized the Lord Jesus as we heard the children proclaim today? He laid down His life upon the cross. He shed His precious blood. He arose again victorious. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And He did that for you. Have you come in repentance and faith to receive the Lord Jesus? If not, come today. If not, come on this Palm Sunday and say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died in my place. I believe that you live and I believe your word that you will save me if I place my faith in you. And I do that today. Have you submitted to him as Lord? You see, Savior, he is Savior, but he's Lord. How about it? Have you surrendered your life to him as Lord? Is he Lord of every area of your life this morning, Christian? Is there any area where you're not submitting to his lordship? He is Lord, but are you submitting to him today? Are there some areas in your heart you say, well, Lord, you can have this and this and this, but this little spot is mine. Friend, would you come today in submission and say, you are Lord of my life. I give you everything. I wonder, are you listening to him? Are you hearing his word proclaimed? Are you reading his word? Are you listening to him? And as you listen, are you obeying him? It's not enough just to know we have to do it's not enough just to have a knowledge we have to obey. And then I wonder, are you praising him? What about this worship service? Is this just something you came because it's Palm Sunday, the kids are going to be doing a program and I just want to come and see them. Listen, we're here to praise the Lord. We're here to honor the Lord. We're here to glorify God. Are you praising him? He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of obedience. He is worthy of our lives. I cannot help but to think, and we're almost done, of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says this You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. He is worthy today. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your obedience. He's worthy of your praise. He alone is worthy. He is King Jesus. Now, how do we respond to a king? Very simply, we gave you three things today. We're to listen to him. We're to obey him. And we're to praise him. We find that here in these disciples' lives as they had that very first Palm Sunday. Go and get that colt. We're going to go get the cold. Bring him back. Set him on it. Spread out your clothes and palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know him today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the triumphal entry. We thank you for your blessings in our life. I pray right now your Holy Spirit would have his willing way in our midst. If anyone's here today not saved, I pray today will be the day they come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Father, if anyone's here today who knows Christ but maybe is resisting some area, resisting his Lordship, I pray today they'll submit. Lord, I pray that you would receive honor and glory. Bless this invitation, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning, I think, is a very appropriate one. One hundred and sixty one crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. I wonder today, as we sing, do you need to know the Lord Jesus, Savior? You need to come and submit some things today. You need to come in a fresh surrender, maybe a fresh season of praise. The altar is open today. I invite you to come and come and pray here. Come and pray here today. Come and allow someone to share the gospel with you. 161, I want you to stand up and sing out with all your heart. Crown Him with many crowns, the Lamb upon His throne. 161, let's stand and sing. You come as we sing, friends.